The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. Christ! We're not hunting him! He's hunting us! Welcome to Subversive Cinema. I have known you since you were a kid, Ricky. Ever since you were seven and eight years old, you've shown superhuman strength. Disrespectful conduct, flippant and tasteless verbal remarks. No, no, I'm afraid that they wouldn't approve of that at all. Greetings and welcome back to the show. It's your host, Art, here to be your purveyor of the peculiar, Sherpa to the strange and wrangler of the weird. And uh, let's see, is there is uh, your patron of the perverse? I'll go with that one for for this one. And to your... Yes. Yes. (laughs) Here at Subversive Cinema, we look at the weird, wacky, and downright wrong entries in cinema's history. And we try to see what makes each of these movies different than the rest, different than the mainstream. What gives it that special sweet tang? It's that subversive sauce, you know? And we do that by breaking down the character story and what the fuck factor. (laughs) And today we are going to be talking about Crash, not the one from 2004. No, we're talking about the OG from 1996, David Cronenberg's Crash, a.k.a. The Good One. Nah, it's just a personal opinion. So uh, I'm surprised that we haven't had any Cronenberg movies on, but I guess, yeah, but this is like probably a pretty darn good way to start. And to talk about it is returning guest, fellow film aficionado, and just all around nice guy who is probably way too nice to be subjected to a film like this. It's Mr. (laughs) Dan. How are you, Dan? I'm doing well, Art. Nice to be back. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic. So let's let's talk a little crash, shall we? It's a story about sex in cars, sex with scars, sex with strangers, and oh oh yeah, car crashes. It's uh, it's based off the book, the 1973 book from J.G. Ballard, who you may know from other novels such as Empire of the Sun and High Rise. He and of obviously Crash, and he uh, makes these novels that are uh, apparently pretty darn hard to to film uh high rise i understand was a pretty abstract concept as well and just like crash but you know movies happen and here they are and it is directed as i said by cinema's just master of body horror and the strange david cronenberg love him so much if you don't know him you should he is the mastermind behind such very, very strange pieces as uh, Existence, Videodrome, uh, but also classics like The Fly and Dead Ringers, uh, Eastern Promises, said A History of Violence. The man's been doing movies forever, and he just is... There's something so interesting about his his technique, his... his uh, I guess his aesthetic. It's just very real. And maybe it comes down to the lighting, the the camera work, the the film stock, but every one of his movies feels like I'm just peeking into life. So, anyway, directed by David Cronenberg, stars a litany of people who, uh, if you didn't, know, if you didn't know that they had movies where they're porking each other and being porked, uh, you, you you'll be happy to find this one. So we have James Spader who's been in tons of stuff, uh, most recently The Blacklist, but goes all the way back to Sex Lies and Videotape and many other things. Deborah Kara Unger, who started in this film, she had done television before, but this is her first film role in the theatrical sense. 
She was known for the game, 13. Also from 13 is Holly Hunter, a.k.a. the mom in The Incredibles. So if you want to hear what the mom in The Incredibles would sound like if she's getting railed in the backseat of a car, this is the movie for you. <laughs> and of course, to round out the principal characters, Elias Coteas. This guy's been in everything from Casey Jones to the uh, in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to Jack Payne and Shooter, and he was a, a soldier, one of the main soldiers in Thin Red Line. The guy's been everywhere. Uh, and another character that uh, if you want to see uh, your childhood hero, Casey Jones, perhaps uh, porking people or getting porked, then um, this is the movie for that. So it sounds like there's just a lot of fucking that happens in this you movie. You know, Art, there's an audience for that. There's there definitely is... an audience out there that wants to see Mrs. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Let me ask you, are you part of that audience? Never. No. <laughs> Here's the thing. When I, I... I, I saw that Holly Hunter was in the credits and I was like, I recognize that name from somewhere. Where do I recognize that name from? Because I couldn't say any particular movie that I had seen her in. I just knew of her. And then when she appeared on screen and her voice started, I was like, I recognize her voice. That voice is so familiar to me. And then it occurred to me that Pixar was coming to mind. I was like, she's in a Pixar movie. Which Pixar <laughs> movie was? And a couple of year, weeks ago, I watched The Incredibles 2 with my nephew and nieces. And I was yes. like, she's Mrs. Incredible. That's who she is. And <laughs> but yeah, it was like it was like fresh in my mind. But anyways, yeah, it's so interesting to see her in this movie in this uh very interesting role. Perhaps if I'm getting ahead of myself, the most interesting character in the movie to me. To me. Yeah, she well, she was very interesting. I mean, there's there's a the thing about this is uh it's interesting, yeah, because the main couple could seem sort of um just kind of there, but at the same time, there's a lot happening with them as well. And I'm talking about James Spader and Deborah Kara Unger's characters, James Ballard and Catherine Ballard, husband and wife, who have an open marriage because the sex between themselves seems to have fizzled away. So now they find excitement by going out and banging other people and then sharing the stories with each other. And one day when James survives a car crash, which ends up killing uh, Holly Hunter's character, Helen Remington's husband, he and his wife suddenly get pulled into this weird underground fetish culture that revolves around obsession with car crashes and and uh, a weird sexual energy that comes from that. And it's in typical Cronenberg fashion, shit goes into to Weirdsville very quickly in terms of the human body and, and machinery and metal and the conflagration of those two together. And where does that take us? Where are we going? Where have we been? What are we now? It's all over the place. And then as again, there's a lot of fucking across the way. <laughs> and honestly, at the point about halfway through the movie or so, you know, sexual orientation is meaningless. It doesn't have any bearing in this story. It's literally just bodies who need to be with other bodies, you know? You're right. The orientation thing is just, it doesn't even matter at that point. It's like it, a an obsession with the fetish. Is, their identity is, I don't know. I don't know. I'm no, just... I think you're right. I think you're getting in there and that their identities are wrapped up in the fetish. And it's, it's, it's like, it's fascinating. I mean, there've been papers yeah. written on this, tons of papers, lots of shit has been written about this. I and bet. it all stems from this book, you know? I didn't realize that this movie was based on a book. To be to be honest, when you first said, "Hey, you want to watch Crash?" I was thinking of the the Paul 
You're uh, thinking about the racist one, the Paul Haggis. Yes, the Paul Haggis film. Look, I remember I only saw that version of Crash once. I've never seen and, it. Well, all I remember is I saw it a decade after it had won, so mm-hmm. much later. Mm-hmm. And all I thought was, everybody in this is a caricature. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, this is These are cartoon characters. Like, nobody is literally this racist and that angry to other people all the time. <laughs> Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're but Art, it's about, about a society. We live in a society. Oh, Jesus H. Christ. I want to talk about people I want to talk about licking tattoos <laughs> and, and fucking scars and just, you know, getting uh... sticky fingers that have some sort of mysterious bodily oh, fluid yeah. do on them. Not, do not. Okay. You're getting way ahead of us. I know, this I know. Is, so is... let's get into this, shall we? Let's right. let's break it down. Let's go to the very first. Let's talk about the characters. What character or characters stood out to you and why? I mean, I'm assuming uh, Mrs. Incredible, clearly. Yes, yes. <laughs> so tell me um, more. Uh, you said her, her name was Remington, right? She, she was... Yeah, Remington? last name was Re- Helen Remington. Helen Remington. She was the one that was most interesting to me. Um, cause I, I kept trying to understand if, uh, she already was experiencing this, this sort of inclination towards this fetish, um, before the death of her husband, or if it was like the shock of that, of that, uh, where she was in that car wreck at the beginning where her husband goes flying through the front windshield and dies. And she's like, just there staring into the eyes of Jace Spader into the other car and just like accidentally reveals herself as she's trying to remove her belt buckle and if it was kind of in that moment where she's like something clicked it was the trauma of the moment and the shock of it that uh like caused her to become um i don't know if that that was where like that kind of mental or emotional change occurred in her or if, if that was something that she was already experiencing before that and maybe she already had that inclination and it wasn't until that moment that it kind of i don't know like it a kind of climax to to i don't know try not to be too vulgar here but be um... as vulgar as you want dan <laughs> <laughs> but i mean like i i couldn't tell and so i just her character was so interesting to me to see like how she what she was thinking because I, I can never quite tell what she was thinking but there was definitely like a lot of thought it wasn't as if like she i don't know i i really liked the performance and I, the character was the most interesting to me and i really wanted to see what was what was happening i wish the only qualm i have is i wish they did more with that character i the only role she really played was wife of deceased doctor who is kind of like one of the guides for james spader's character in the in the plot and then Kind of, they didn't really do with anything really with her at the end. It just kind of like ends with her. But um, I don't know. I thought it was so cool how she wore gloves. Like she just walked around with gloves. And I thought, oh, is that because of a, she has a scar from the wreck or something? No, but she removes the gloves at one point and her hands look totally fine. She just wears gloves. Yeah, I she thought, just oh, likes wear gloves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she just <laughs> likes to wear gloves. Um, no, she was, she was really kind of like, I don't know. It was she was the most interesting character to me. What's interesting because I would I would actually argue that her utility in this story was very important in that she was the conduit that brought James and 
Catherine into meeting Vaughn and the whole subculture. And so she brought them in. And obviously because she said that she knew Vaughn beforehand. So I think she was sort of on the peripheral of this whole thing. And I think that maybe who knows if the book goes into this more, though I will say uh, something I read was that when the raw, the author James Ballard had seen the film. He actually thought that the film was better than the book in that it went deeper in some places and further along in in sort of sussing out what's happening. But that said, uh, perhaps it's her mystique that is so interesting and then that that's part of it, you know. It's it's For sure. you can't know too much more about her because the more you know, then the less interesting she would become. Absolutely. That's a really great point. Yeah. But but they did that fine balance of because there's some movies where where a character is really you know mysterious, but they're also extremely boring, and I don't care about them. Right. Somehow they it was pulled off in this film where she's like, as you put it, she's got a mystique about her, and yet she still is interesting. It's not like a they 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 do a very good job of, and it may have been her performance. It may have been Holly Hunter's performance as well. Um, yeah, in the film, it's it's uh it, this movie is one that. For all the actors, I think there is, I don't think there's a single weak link in here that uh, my emotions go as such when I watch this. When I turn it on and I'm tuning in, I'm kind of like, ah, all right, well, here we go. It's not the Cronenberg <laughs> I'm used to. But as it moves along, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's interesting. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, that. Huh. And then after having watched it and I, you know, scrubbed through it and we're talking about it, I find myself even more interested because you know this is a credit to all the actors and and the writing it's just that these are such complex people and it does beg multiple viewings to even try to figure out what their motivations are i'm sure you may have heard of um hemingway's quote on his writing tops his writing style which is the iceberg method where you write just enough like the tip you know you write just the tip of the iceberg and the rest of it's all subtext. The rest of it's all there. It doesn't have to be painted out. And this is like a cinematic version of that to me, where the dialogue and the behavior offer you certain glimpses, but you never get to really see what's under the water and how deep it goes. But I get the sense that there's a lot going on. That said, you know me, I always got to pick weird people. Uh, Vaughn would have been the easy one because he's sort of <laughs> the ringleader of the circus. But instead, I want to pick his Ooh. buddy, Colin Seagrave, the guy who plays James Dean in the car wreck that they go to watch, purely because of, of how bad he wants to play Jane Mansfield and yep. his commitment to it, which sounds a little bit like this. I'll be ready, Vaughn. I want really big tits. Out to here. So the audience can see him get all cut up and crushed on the dashboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll do that. What a fucking... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's... How do these people find each other? that's that's the thing i mean obviously the the little performance art piece the underground car wreck show that they're doing is it's not legal because it gets busted up by the cops 
and there's only a handful of people there. I, I mean, they obviously live in fairly derelict conditions. You know, it's not like they're running around with a bunch of money. The guy lives in his fucking car. Can I say that as I was watching that group of people who have found each other that are into the same sort of fetish, I got this weird like heroin house, like <laughs> crack house kind of vibe about them. Like they're all like kind of addicted to the same thing and they all like help each other and there's like people from all kind of walks of life there's doctors there there's like uh i I think there was like a prostitute there or something and they all like are in this house together like watching videos (laughs) like crash dummy videos oh yeah oh yeah they're watching the the it's a swedish documentary discussing the mechanics of crash test uh, procedures yes and it's they're watching it like it's a porno yes Uh, which is interesting it it took me back to a film that we talked about earlier this season, Necromantic 2, where there's a sequence where, again, a bunch of these like-minded people, now in that movie, they're all obsessed with death and, you know, of course. after <laughs> after death, and they're watching a Slaughterhouse documentary. And, of course, the one normal person who's there is just like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> kind of like with this, where Ballard hasn't gone full tilt into their realm yet, but he's he's sort of just this observer taking it in, and it's interesting to see I, his subtle reactions to it. I thought it was what was so this is kind of like out there, but bear with me. Sure. What if this movie is about a sort of um a, a kind of it's kind of like a, a a pandemic flick and so to speak where there is some sort of psychological illness that is is contagious and coming across people where they have this predilection um and it is contagious in a way but it's 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 only passable with traumatic events that occur you're only susceptible to getting it when you experience kind of a traumatic event. For example, after James Spader is in that car wreck <laughs> where um, he starts to notice there's more cars on the road. He starts commenting yeah. about like the cars and um, his wife, Catherine, only really starts to receive it when she witnesses the James the Jane Mansfield wreck. Oh, yeah, when they're driving back and they when they're driving back and they drive by and she goes and sits down with the victims there awkwardly and they're doing a random photo shoot of this wreck that just happened and killed people. But then she suddenly is kind of pulled into it, too. And so it, it made me wonder, like, what if this is this weird contagion? Um, This is like headcanon, by the way. Yeah, never, never alluded to, never alluded to in the movie. But it made to me when I thought of it from that perspective, it kind of made it creepier and and made more sense. Like why these people who, um, yeah, I don't know. But but um, I I I don't know that the the whole um, the whole that brought me back to that question of when did they first get that inclination? Was it during that car wreck? Or did they already have it and they just didn't know they had it until the car wreck? Maybe it's both. Maybe it's both. I mean, I feel that there's plenty of people who get into car accidents, and myself included, and mm-hmm. I never suddenly got a boner because of that. <laughs> <laughs> 
but <laughs> yeah but you know there is a there's that saying you know it's like a tr- when people say something's a train wreck you can't take your eyes away yeah. from just utter chaos no yeah. and i think that's part of this and i think it's also because of the ubiquity of cars and they're they're this they're part of everything we do and they're so entrenched in american history even though this is a canadian film it takes was place very in, canadian takes place in canada i don't know mm-hmm. if the book took place in canada or not don't isn't david cronenberg canadian he Maybe is I'm canadian wrong. yeah no he, they, is, he okay. is canadian okay it's just such an interesting you know it's just so enmeshed with our daily lives that you know, I think it's, you know, America's obsession with vehicles that mm-hmm. maybe that was part of what Ballard was going through is just saying the next evolution is just you want to fuck your car. <laughs> I mean, all of the the car crash recreations, I think, were of famous American car crashes that they had. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. They, they, they talk about even um, they talk about um, Kennedy, uh, oh, presidential right. President Kenny's, even though his wasn't really a car wreck, it was a traumatic event that happened inside of the, while he was riding in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but they didn't hide the fact that this movie took place in Canada. No, no, not at all. I mean, it wasn't, they didn't hide it. It wasn't barreled, you know, beaten down your throat or anything, but no, it, no. it was there, you know, it was clear. I mean, there was enough Ontario license plates. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but I know. mean, you know how sometimes a lot of times Hollywood films are they'll try to put like fake plates on cars yes, when they're yeah. filming. To they didn't they didn't care they, they didn't care if you knew this movie took place in Canada or Europe somewhere or anywhere in the world. It really I guess wasn't about the location so much. Um, but that is a really good point about the Americanness of the cars. The 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 I don't know you put it much better than I did, but, but I mean, all, all of the, um, I don't know. Are there any other famous car wrecks from other people in, in history that like, I'd are... have to, I'd have to really drill into it. I, I'm sure there's, there's a litany. Yeah. Of them, you know, yeah. but um, anyways, there were some, there were some other things I wanted to talk about real quick with characters about characters. Yes. Yes, please. Um. Okay. The one scene where what's her name? The lady with the leg braces. What was uh, her name? I hope you're not going ahead to our WTF nope. section. We're going to no, save no. that. <laughs> no, this is kind of a small one. Okay, she sure, was, sure. She was a very interesting character, and I just thought it was funny. What's her name again? I her name is that. Gabrielle. Gabrielle. Yeah. When Gabrielle like walks into the room randomly where James Spader and, and um, Vaughn are, are talking. And she kind of pops open like a little compartment on oh, one of yes. her leg braces. She's got little joints in her fucking yeah. leg leg brace. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, she has this like a custom made like little pocket for this. And, her. and I thought that what a random thing to just like kind of show. It's like you didn't have to. She could have pulled it out of a pocket or something. You no, know? they like intentionally show that she has like a special pocket in her leg brace yeah. for these joints. <laughs> And obviously, them like okay. that's true. <laughs> she was interesting because I've never seen such a a, a full body brace setup. You know, where one oh, yeah. goes under one breast, the other one's got a cutout because oh, yes. she clearly has to wear this all the time. Yes, that was I. I wondered about that too. It was like, did it have to be like that? Is that really medically? <laughs> I mean, I think it's just I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing it's something to to stabilize the the spine, but 
man, she's uh she's got she's got something going on. And then you know, I remember you see Under pictures the of the accident <laughs> she's in because you know she is Vaughn's project, current project. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, living piece of art which is interesting you know as he calls his own body like a canvas you know with the scars and the tattoos and you know, it's interesting. yeah yeah but, uh, one thing i want to say that i thought was just because you brought up the the weed <laughs> compartment something that i really really like about this movie that i feel you don't i, I personally don't see it as often and mm-hmm. if i if i do it's to me i guess this is just done differently i could feel the book in certain sequences in the sense that the camera would punch in and show something that was seemingly innocuous and didn't have anything to do necessarily with what's going on in the moment, mm-hmm. but it was just observational. And I could imagine that's the sort of shit you read in a novel where he, the, to color the world, yeah. they just mention little things. And for example, the big thing that, that occurs to me is when uh, Ballard is driving around with Helen and mm-hmm. you know he'll be talking and then he'll just touch his collar a little bit because he's clearly bruised from where the seatbelt was yeah. but it's just a small thing he'll just touch that and they'll focus on it and you know little things like that happen throughout the movie and I just think it's very interesting that they're capturing this, this that is else. that is you know I I don't know um has Cronenberg done I was going to ask if he's done um adaptations of books before but i i know the fly is based on a, a short story published in like playboy back in the 50s so that is an adaptation but i i can't i was okay what i'm trying to say is of cronenberg's movies that i've seen this one felt oddly like the most um both it, man this is such a, a weird film in his repertoire you could say because it's it is very sensational but at the same time it doesn't feel gratuitous for the sake of being gratuitous right um but at the same time it does like it really does feel like the only reason you're watching this is because you really want you're you're you've got a morbid curiosity of people's very strange and very different fetish and that's why you're watching this what you're learning or you're seeing what the lives are like for people that that have like a, an awakening of of something about themselves that they never knew and what happens to them after that so it is it is very sensational but at the same time it's also like very slow and intentional and mm-hmm. most cronenberg movies like the fly for example it's it is sensational but it's sensational it's because it's about a man who becomes a fly essentially like it's the gross things that happen with science and and how how can we like show this in as like a gratuitous a way as possible well don't forget i mean like he he thought how can we do that when this movie the the fly was there was another one that was from um 1958 which is if i'm not mistaken i I love that one that movie it's it's the exact same thing Yeah, it's yep. the exact same thing. He yep. tries to teleport, but of course, in 50 sensibility, you're not going to yep. have body parts fall off as the as, as the, they as, do when the, the mutation occurs. But then that's why he is the master of body horror from Videodrome with the 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 chest vagina and the videotapes and all this other crazy shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yes. Okay. Lots of interesting characters. They are all fascinating. So let's get onto the story, shall we? The the section we always spend the least amount of time on in any of these episodes, and that's fine. The story does it? Did it make sense to you? You know. Um. Um. 
no, because <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing. I I was watching the movie and I was there were there was sequence after sequence of how they're getting off next in the back of his car. Um, after they went for a drive and swerved around on the road crazily for a little while in the longest car wash ever. Uh, and when they're trying to fit, um, the side, you know, the Gabrielle into the front seat of the car. Oh yes. Into the Mercedes. And she gets Mercedes. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like all kinds of strange scenarios. It was like the little vignettes of like the worst porno ever. Like we we were like, oh, you should say some of the least sexy porno ever. Yes, exactly. exactly. That's the thing. This movie is not meant to arouse necessarily because a lot of the we'll get into this soon. But a lot of the sex is is oddly clinical. And if it's not being clinical, it's being just um, violent is the word that comes to mind. But I don't know if that's the right one. But it, it's, I want to. It feels say violent. Kind of violent. Yeah, it does. It feels violent. I guess it's two more, bodies crashing into each other. It's almost that flesh just wants to to one person wants to just be enmeshed and encoiled with another person so badly to yeah. reach that that level of excitement that happens when metal goes against metal. I I don't know, but I I think that's a great. Um comparison i know it's like almost on the nose with this movie. it's a little yeah <laughs> but but for example the one of the probably the most infamous scenes i imagine in this is the car wash um where they're going through the car wash and bear in mind i have never been in a car wash one of those automatic car washes that has lasted that long before <laughs> i was like when are they getting out how much did they pay for this? this seems like <laughs> well, really they went. Gross. They obviously went for the the supreme package where it gets the undercarriage and the, yes. the wheel wells and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, in the back seat, meanwhile, Catherine and Vaughn are going at it, and while they are doing that, the sounds of the car wash are so violent. It sounds like a car wreck. The just the sounds of the car getting hit with the brushes and the soap and everything, and it's very mechanical. And I, um, I did feel like that was actually kind of violent. It was violent to her. She seemed disturbed by it afterwards. Oh, like she got super bruised up as we have that lingering yeah. shot of all That's, the bruises on her. That was disturbing to me. I was like, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell, and this is a conversation for something totally something else but i couldn't tell if she was as receptive to that yeah it's meant to be that way i think that perhaps she this is the moment for her when she is starting to really come around like we're talking about how when they they witness the accident right yeah yeah so it kind of got a little something going on but i think it's that that there's a trepidation but she initiated it with you know going to the car wash she pulls her Mm -hmm. shirt up takes her boob out (laughs) <laughs> and then, as you were saying, the the very violent car wash happens while Vaughn is just grabbing her, and yeah. Yeah. they're just having this. So it, you, this is the sort of uh, uh, sound effects we're talking about. It, it's very, there's a very, just even watching that just now again, it's almost like a weird proto 
ASMR. And it, it just, there's a very visceral quality to it that, yeah, it just, it feels familiar like a car wash sound, but it's just like there's, they've changed something in it. There's something in yeah. the mix where I, I it's think just there's there. even like a point later on where there is some clanging or something outside. Something stood out to me about that. Oh, but... maybe around, uh, oh, I think I know where exactly is it here. <laughs> And that happens at the height of oh, yeah. his uh, experience with her, mm -hmm. uh, which which leads <laughs> me to ask you. So, uh, what do you interpret is on her fingers? Oh, that that theme came up, and I like made a point about it. It was like I made a note about it. I was like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Uh, let's just say it's like, um, let's just say it's like, like there's like, you know, maybe something spilled under the seat and she just got her hand in it. Oh, gross. It, I'm not saying it was from him or from her. Yeah, exactly. It's just like that car was so nasty. It was just like, or, or we could say it was like car oil. <laughs> that would be appropriate, right? It's car oil. <laughs> car oil in the, uh, Bex. car oil in it with a bit of seminal fluid. <laughs> <laughs> the the toxicology report comes that's back right as. that's right <laughs> so here's the deal the story the, the story is exactly as we described it is a couple who navigate this subculture of sexual fetishism and how it impacts their lives and how it brings them i guess together i mean they the, finally seem to have I, sex I guess together if you want to find going back to what you had asked earlier though through all those through lines and through all those like little vignettes of one encounter after another i didn't really find a great story i didn't no, find i don't think it is about the story that's the thing it's like it, it's pretty simple i think this is well i mean uh, if you're looking for a story you're not going to find it here no, if you're looking for a a story with a beginning middle and end and some sort of conclusion eh this is it's kind of there but it's this is a slice of life character study. That's yeah. really all this is. It's a character study. It's a psychological film. Yeah. A psychological sexual thriller sort of thing, which is interesting because you know they don't make these uh these sex movies very often anymore or, or at all. So this is sort well, of a, a relic from a very specific time where the 90s had lots of steamy, steamy shit happening in all the movies. Yeah. I I I I know what you're talking about. That's that's true, actually. But but there's no money behind that. Well, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, I'd pay for uh, Crash and so. <laughs> Actually, I don't think this movie earned any money, too. Which brings me up to one of my my big questions: <laughs> How do David Cronenberg movies get financed? Because I couldn't tell you of one besides The Fly that maybe made a profit. I don't well, know. I can. I mean, he he does get a lot of critical acclaim for most of his movies. So, but for example. I think there is profit eventually. I mean, we are, we're only looking at box office opening day. I mean, a lot of his Fair stuff enough. became cult hits. A lot of this is also because he's a Canadian guy. There's a lot of productions that are done between different companies. So I think there's some of the splitting. If he films uh -huh. in Canada, it's instantly going to be cheaper. And he's one of the last dudes who is still making mid-grade movies. Like, he's one of the few. Nowadays, if you don't spend over $100 million, or if you're only spending two anything in between is weird you know yeah so he still makes mid-level movies and it's you know if you just look you know crimes of the future probably didn't do so great but that was a very fascinating movie 
Map to the Stars is a scintillating bit. You know, Cosmopolis just kind of made a no murmur or anything. But Dangerous Methods seemed to get a lot of people's attention. Eastern Promises got a lot. History of Violence was a big, big one for him. That's so true. I think That's it's true. just, you know, he's got some stuff along the way. And then, of course, as you said, The Fly is uh, probably the biggest. Scanners was one that was a pretty Scanners. popular one. That's right. He also had a lot of cachet in the 70s, too. I mean, you keep forgetting Givers. exactly how, first of all, how old the guy is. He's not that old, but he's old enough that he has a career that spans 50 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, Shivers, uh, The Brood. Oh, yeah, The Brood. Yep. That was a weird movie. Yep. Rabid. So it's <laughs> lots of stuff. Oh, the Brood and was his so fascinating. son just came out with a movie recently. His, yeah, he just came out with uh, Infinity Pool. And I actually want to do some of his movies because I love Brandon Cronenberg's stuff. He's very, very really? much like his father. I've never seen any of his things. <clears throat> he's he's very much like his dad, except he has a bit more of the gloss and polish to his movies that we're used to seeing, but still with the same shocking amount of violence that comes out of nowhere on occasion and just boundary pushing and abstract mm-hmm. ideas about reality and personality and humanity mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. so yeah story is really a slice of life of these very interesting people let's get to the fun stuff yes wtf I have a few uh, <laughs> so I will let you go first sir <laughs> I'm gonna save one I'm gonna save a big one for you okay because I'm curious to see how you go into it. Let me just bring <laughs> wait, up. A, a is piece... it, wait, wait, hold on a second. Did you, was that a pun intended? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It really wasn't. But, but now that you, <laughs> not, no pun intended, literally no pun intended there. But um, let me just uh, bring up a couple. WTF moments for me. Um, I'm going to kind of uh, popcorn a bunch of these. The taxidermy dog in the back of the, the James Manfield car wreck i thought that was hilarious and it's sad it was sad he's dead you know the guy was dressed up like james manfield but uh you know that was sad it kind of also wtf but we wait before it. you move on i just got to hear vaughn talk about the dog Seagrave, you couldn't wait for me you did the james mansfield crash without me oh the dog the dog is brilliant I love the way he says that. Yeah, oh, the dog. Little chihuahua. Yeah. All taxidermied. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go on. Uh, and then from that, then there's the um, suddenly it becomes a heartfelt gay romance. Oh, yes. Um, I'm just kidding. But that kind of goes into what we were talking about earlier about it. Really, it's not about orientation at this point. It's just about like identifying with the fetish. It's um, literally just, again, I want to put my my stinky parts against or into someone else's stinky <laughs> yeah, parts. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing, um, the next thing, they fixed the car back up. That thing went off an overpass, landed on a bus. They went and collected it from the junkyard at the end. And then they're driving it around, swerving it across the road and everything. They either, one, paid to have that car fixed back up to be where it was good enough to drive again, or two, by some miracle, it actually is a functioning car still. WTF. You know, those Lincolns, that's one of my favorite I... types of cars. <laughs> okay. that, those 64, 65 Lincolns. Yeah. And they made them different back then. It was just they a big old different. hunk of steel. You're, you're right. That that bus would have been crushed even more than it was. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I at think, the same time, I mean, I think that uh, yeah, it was a bit surprising that it uh, it was drivable. But I feel that they sort of loosely cover it a bit when you see him driving it. It's it's hard to 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 hold on to. 
okay. I don't sure. know. But you're right. No, actually, it's funny <laughs> that you brought that up as a WTF for me. If we're talking about real world stuff, like the notion that you could skip traffic and pull up on the shoulder next to a major fuck off accident, stop and get out and walk around, take pictures and not have yes. anybody care. Yes. That, that was to on my me list. was the one thing that and, I, and you're getting up yeah. in it with a camera and like taking pictures and none of the officers or fire department people are going, excuse me, sir, I have some class, you know, like, <laughs> they haven't even like they were removing the people with the jaws of life, you know, when this yes. is happening. <laughs> yeah, there's blood everywhere and they just sort of let it happen. Uh, you know, I, let me ask this to any Canadian listeners. And I know there are some because I've seen uh, the downloads from your country. Thank you. Nice. Uh, welcome aboard Canada. Nice. And uh, so is, is our, our police that lax there or, or what? Is I just want to know, is this realistic? Maybe this is realistic and we're Maybe. just really going overboard. I don't know. But, I mean, the movie is 24 years old at this point. That's true. Things could have been very old. different yeah, back yeah. then. They could yeah. have, they, you know, maybe back then you can, now you can't. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay. The last one I just wanted to point out is the very last scene when they do take the old junker and they're like playing car chase or something, Mr. Yeah. And Mrs. Ballard. And he like nicks her and then her car like goes screaming off the road and turns over and she's like kind of lying halfway under it. Yeah. She's not injured. She's got a little scrapes and bruises. Yeah. But he runs down there and goes and like, you know, talks to her and they have like this weird, you know, weird moment. My question is no one else is stopping to be like, sir, ma'am, are you okay? Like they're hey, down yeah. there for a long time. There's they were, no and else. he he parked his car in the road. You're right. <laughs> on the off-ramp. And, and people saw that. There were other cars. They saw yeah. him do that. So and again, like, maybe we have to ask Canada. So here's the thing. This is now <laughs> diametrically opposed to what we were just asking. Canada is known as a land with excessively friendly people. So why wouldn't they want to stop and help? You know? know. <laughs> and, and now this is yeah, it's saying that they're essentially all just ignoring it. So I, I'm really mixed. I don't know. I don't know. All right, I'll let you go jump into Okay, this. so one I will bring up is, and this is apparently a pullover directly from the novel, is the the clinical way that they speak about things, particularly in this case, sex. So okay. this is her talking dirty. This is, sorry, I should say uh, Catherine talking dirty to Ballard as he is making love to her from behind okay, after... Wait. Are you, uh, gonna, are you gonna bring up the the piece of dialogue that I quoted in my notes because I thought it was so bizarre? Okay, I'm gonna listen. Oh, maybe, listen. maybe. Let's see. Is is uh, is this? I gotta, I gotta get to it here. Is this mm -hmm. the part? Is he circumcised? Can you imagine what his anus looks like? Describe it to me. It's too clinical for me. <laughs> too clinical. <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote down. Yes. I was well, like, well, imagine like the best line is. What do you think his anus looks like? And you describe know, it to me. That's what I wrote. That's literally the quote I wrote down. I thought it was like, can you imagine? <laughs> and here's the other thing. I'm I'm trying to picture myself as the actors in that moment. Yes. I don't know how. What if they do that in one take? They're they're like professionals. You know, they, I mean, they are. They are professionals. They probably did it in one take. I don't know if I could have held it in. I, would have been like, I, mean, I don't know. You want me to? It, <laughs> 
I mean, it's an interesting thing to think about. Look, look, uh, you know, uh, uh, let's just be clear here. Actors clearly, they, uh, you know, when they film these intimacy scenes, mm-hmm. everything's professional and all. But really, look, I couldn't imagine sitting there being buck naked with a beautiful person and then having to say these things while pretending that I am thrusting. Yeah. When I'm not, but at the yeah. same time, I'm sure biology's <laughs> telling me that, hey, what's going on? You tell me that James Spader doesn't have a boner in the scene, you know? It, it, it's it's very weird. It's very, very... I, I often wonder how actors prepare for scenes that, that are as revealing as the ones shot, some of the ones shot in this movie. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all but... Interesting you should say that because this is going to be a fun little sidestep into uh, an outside clip. I usually don't play clips that aren't from the movie. But this is from a a panel discussion on Crash. And this gentleman is asking the question I think many of us are are very curious about. And James Spader takes care of it with uh, his usual wit and charm. I, I don't want to get crass. The question that was, that was asked of me is why is there no male frontal nudity? And was that an issue? And, and was that a, a contractual thing? No, I, I, I don't think it was ever a question, really. I mean, I can address that. He can address that. Uh, I think that has more to do with geography than anything else. In most of the scenes, we were fucking. And when you're fucking, you don't see the penis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's an easy answer to give, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know, I, mean. I know. Look, yeah, he could <laughs> he could literally, yeah, I mean, they, there's lots of things they could do, uh, including yeah. a, a movie that I want to bring up in uh, maybe next season called Violation that particularly handles that interesting, interestingly. But yeah, okay. it's, it's, but it's funny. It's funny to me that, uh-huh. and of course, you no, know, no, no, that was Spader funny. just sits back and smokes a cigarette with his oh, sunglasses sure. on looking like, you know, the king of when uh, was that? When was that interview or that uh, panel? Uh, it's 96. So it was actually from the Cannes uh, press conference. Oh, really? Yeah, it was from oh, Cannes. Okay. Wow. That was so it was like relevant. It was very, it was very relevant at the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Okay. So another one I'll bring up, which is, uh, I think, definitely high on the list for anybody and everybody. Fucking the leg scar. <laughs> <laughs> yep, goes ahead and he rips open her her fishnet stocking. Who is her? Who is her? Uh, sorry, Gabrielle. Gabrielle, aka Mrs. Body Body Cast Woman. Yes, body braces. Mm-hmm. They get into this car and he is struggling to. This is again another sequence of violent maneuvering. This is what it sounds like when he's trying to move her oh, braced leg up and over the steering column in a small car. I could barely watch this. Okay, he got it there. It, it was like <laughs> it was like they were struggling so much. It was almost comical. I mean, yeah, it, it, <laughs> it was. And of course, you know, as he, once he finally gets her leg up, then he he looks down and he notices the prize, which is this massive scar that is very very clearly designed after a vagina. And oh, he no. begins kissing it, and then he unzips, and uh, it goes sort of like this. <laughs> Ah! <sighs> 
it uh, it <sighs> seems to get the job done for him relatively quickly. So I, yeah, I was going to say this. Um, the interesting thing about that is that she seemed to reciprocate. Yes, the yeah. the the feeling and and um, yeah, that's where it became like a psycho. Uh, more of a psychosexual experience, do I yes. say? Like, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it was very strange, and I think it's just another uh, addition into the to the whole theory or premise of the pain and pleasure blending together. Just again, is like smashing bodies, and how can you? Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> like they just want to be a part of each other. But I will say this. Mm -hmm. I did not expect it to go there. <laughs> that was yes. like the, probably the most Cronenberg moment. Yes. Yes, it was. Movie. Absolutely. That is textbook Cronenberg. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, and, But that was another one of those like little vignettes that in the long run, it felt like that was the most gratuitous scene. I didn't mm -hmm. need to see that. That didn't, in my opinion, that <laughs> that did nothing to like further the plot or the story. It was just like you want to see something weird here. <laughs> yes. well, I have an idea. How about yes, he has sex with the leg. <laughs> uh, what are you? What are you? What are you talking about? I know. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Uh, coming in. <laughs> I mean, wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. Say what? <laughs> so yes. It, it, it's it's interesting i mean the 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 standout wtfs are really those big set piece moments like that but honestly the whole movie is just one slow burn wtf because of it's really the subject matter that makes it it's car yeah. crash obsession and sexual perversion through it I, I mean i shouldn't judge us and i shouldn't say no sexual. but i will say this: something occurred to me while i was watching it can you imagine what the how these people would have reacted to remember the old car crash dummies cartoon show and yeah Mine toys? yeah i used to have those toys those were great <laughs> I, know, I know can you imagine that they they probably play with them they probably have them oh my god yeah oh dude yeah <laughs> well that's part of their sex play i'm sure oh no. Well, dude there's a whole other subtext to this like there's a you know if we wanted to do a satire parody where you know, instead of a real doll that we have in the real world, they have crash test dummies they buy and then they just do, do what they will with them. Oh, my God. I but mean, you know, this is this is clearly um, the, the un, untapped moments in this were clearly picked up for uh, Titan where, you know, having sex with cars and the com combination of man and metal, that sort of stuff. So, oh, yes, anyway, all over, yeah. all over. It's good times. Yeah. Yeah, this movie is is something special. So it's crazy. It's got lots of what the fuck stuff. But let's let's answer the real important question, my friend. So, how subversive would you rate this movie on a scale of one to ten? You know the drill. You've done this before. Yeah, that's actually a, a really tough question because I I don't. If we are, I always do this with you, Art. If yes, you we do. Defining <laughs> subversive is. The intention was to make one thing and it ended up being another thing. Then I will say that this movie is exactly what it intended to be. Like Cronenberg is a, a, enough of a filmmaker to know like what he wants to put on the movie and he will do it. He will put yeah, it up. On absolutely. This is, this is all 100% purposeful. Exactly. And so I can't say that it's, it, it was subversive. But, um, but there's been pen plenty of movies that are exactly what they intend to be. And they're still subversive. 
We can talk more about that later. Okay, <laughs> so, fair enough. I'm very curious to hear your opinion <laughs> about that. But I will say that on for this movie, even though it was, it definitely fits the bill of being bizarre, very unique, crazy. I have rarely seen movies like this, to be honest, um, where they're so kind of well-crafted and well-acted, and yet the subject matter is just biz- kind of out of left field. It's, it, this is nothing you see normally. Yes. Um, and it's not even like, it's not even like um, Eyes Wide Shut, which is a, another movie that deals a lot with, with a little bit with fetish, but a lot more with like infidelity and infidelity and stuff. But sexual it's very, obsession, the obsession with the idea. Yes, yeah. exactly. But that movie is much more. Uh, there, there was there are shocking moments in that movie, but not like Crash. Like Crash is like, it's in a whole different ballpark. Same realm of sports, but different game. <laughs> you know what I want to say is those were a lot of words, but I don't know what we got to. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I put it, I'll put it this way. I remember when I saw this movie for the first time and I'm, I'll never forget it. I feel that it, it constantly, when I don't know, when I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't mean in a mystery thriller way. I mean, in a, what what could possibly come next? Uh-huh. And I can never guess in a million years that whatever happens in this happens. To me, that that is a pretty big subversive uh, element, as well as the fact that it was inciting. It was incendiary. It certainly roused up people. People got up and walked out. They they want the, so much of the jury. The grand jury loved this movie so much that they made us. They brought out. They dusted off a special award off to the really? side because Francis Ford Coppola hated this. And he adamantly said he did not want to give this anything. So the rest of them banded together and said, well, then we're going to give them the special grand jury prize, which is a secondary award that they don't bring out very often for its original vision and daring and whatever. Interesting. So I think because it, it really cut the audience right in the middle, that for me is where I give it its subversive sauce. And I, I, I'm going to go to the moon with this because T10 was a 10. I'm going to have to give this one a 10 myself. So, Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, if that's your definition of subversive, then I I guess I agree. Well, it's a definition of subversive. But... <laughs> My definition is is one like how I put it where... Back in me! Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, preview, we're going to be doing that next season with Dan. So you heard it, you heard it here. <laughs> Cannot wait. <laughs> it's like finally i want to see something where people aren't fucking they aren't getting exploded they aren't yes. getting shot there isn't dismemberments and yes. there isn't car wrecks it's like i just want to see some nice et knockoff sort of shit oh yeah cannot wait <laughs> there you go but um yeah no I, I i will say this i was putting off watching this movie because you had you said hey dan you want to do this will you sign up for this i was like all right and i was i have been like i have not been rushing to watch this movie yes knowing i haven't ever seen it before i didn't really know much about it at all but i just knew based on the director that this probably wasn't going to be necessarily my (laughs) first choice this was not going to be a a a dan approved film (laughs) but i will say i'm glad you I, again i'm so glad that you suggested this to me otherwise i would never would have seen it and it was definitely a an experience 
well, you're very welcome. And I appreciate you going through and watching it for this show. <laughs> that is fantastic. So there you have it, everybody. That's Cronenberg's Crash from 1996. It is pretty goddamn, goddamn batty and amazing. So where can you see this film? Because I know you want to. Well, you can uh, look for it on Blu-ray or DVD. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. It's an NC-17 film. So that's uh, unfortunately the kiss of death for many, many movies as far as their outlets. So Amazon, Blu-ray, DVD, that's the place to get it. Check it out. It's in the Criterion Collection, so it can't be that bad. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Dan, do you have anything you'd like to share before we let you go? Uh, nothing. I'm just uh, glad to be doing this with you. Um, I would say or something about a non-existent podcast that I've been working on, but... But you haven't been life. working on it, so... Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, you know, I've only had you on here for like the last year and change, and I think it's probably the same goddamn podcast that just never seems to come, so... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. I'm working on a podcast. Hey, everybody, come back in five years and maybe they'll have it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But Dan, you're you're a pleasure and a good sport, and I appreciate you and everything you do. So thank you again for watching this, coming on, talking about it, and for just being you. Thank you. And to you out there, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate your support. Until next time, stay subversive. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive cinema.